the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Let me put it this way. To be involved in any worship or teaching or evangelistic endeavor where the God of Scripture is not honored is to worship an idol who is really a demon. Now, that's heavy stuff. That's, that's strong language. But that's what this passage is, is teaching. Remember I said it's easy to see how bad the Corinthians were. But when we apply it to ourselves, you realize why this is so serious. That is strong language. But if you read 2 Corinthians 6.14 through the end of the chapter in its logical and global context, as we've been doing now for several days, we cannot arrive at any other logical conclusion. It's not only strong language, it's costly language, as we'll come to understand today on Verse by Verse. Thanks for tuning in today as Pastor Steve Kreloff wraps up this third sermon in this series about spiritual separation. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our last class, Pastor Steve pointed out that all religions other than real Christianity are demonically inspired rejections of the true and living God. In 1 Corinthians 10, 18-20, Paul tells us to flee from idolatry and goes on to say, Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. If God wanted Israel to avoid involvement with demonically inspired religions, wouldn't he want the same for us? Listen now as Pastor Steve brings his message to a close. And I'd like you to see this. This is very important. Romans chapter 1. There are some who think that man is just so religious, that that all roads lead to God, and why should we say Christianity is the only way when there are so many religions in the world? I want you to see the origin, the source of religion. The source of religion is revealed to us in Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, the Apostle Paul puts the pagan world on trial and reveals that the pagan world, though they had the light that came from creation, they knew that God existed, yet they purposefully and willfully turned uh, turned away from the truth. And that's very important that you understand that because there are some today who say, well, what about the person who's never heard of Christ? Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, Wouldn't they be okay? No, they're not okay. They're not okay because they do know about God. They've been given the evidence to know about God. They've been given the light of creation. And if they turn off the light there, they will not be interested in, in, in pursuing anything about knowing Christ. They To reject any light is to reject all the light. To accept any light that God reveals would mean that God would reveal more and more, perhaps in the form of a missionary who would share the gospel with you or, or get a Bible to somebody. So it's important. What do we do with the truth? Notice verse 18. Paul says, concerning the ancient, ancient man, 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. He talks now, and this is probably he's referring to Genesis man. Uh, maybe he's in his mind, he's thinking about the, the time of the, the Tower of Babel. But let's just keep Genesis man in mind. He says that Genesis man suppressed the truth. Genesis man had the truth and suppressed it, which means to hold it down, to, to press it down, to not let it get up and, and have its uh, effect on us. And then he explains, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. He said that they can know about God. It isn't that they don't have any witness about God. They may not have known specifically about Jesus Christ, but they could and did know about God. God made it evident to them. How? What was the evidence? Verse 20. It's creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Pagan man as well as modern man may not know specifically the gospel of Christ, but they know about God's power through nature. They know about orderliness through nature. They know about creation to some degree through nature. But when they suppress that truth, they were without excuse. They can't appear before God and say, well, we didn't know. How could we possibly know? They didn't know because they chose not to know. And then Paul gives us more understanding of this. Verse 21, he says, here's the situation for even though they knew God, which by that he means not that they knew God in the sense of a relationship with them, but they knew about him. They had knowledge about the true God. They did not honor him as God. They didn't honor him, nor he said, did they give thanks? What he's talking about, they didn't care about God. They, they did their own thing. They didn't want God interfering in their lives. So they paid no attention to him, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. When they turned away from the light, all they had was darkness. When they turned away from true worship, they became philosophers. They became, they got involved in speculative knowledge, stuff that they just invented. And Paul says their foolish heart was darkened. When they turned away from the light, God turned the light off. And here's the result. Verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. They thought they were so wise, so sophisticated. And today, uh, there are many who are just like that, who have PhDs and have all kinds of academic credentials, but they believe that we came from monkeys. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And the final result is this, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God, that God we, we have been singing to, immortal, invisible, That God, they exchanged the glory of him, the incorruptible God, for watch this, an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They became idolaters. They thought they're wise, but they're bowing down to objects that they've made. That's ancient man. That's modern man. Now, I want you to know from this, the reason there are so many religions in the world is not because all roads lead to God. But in rejecting the one true God, man has, has replaced, replaced the true God with man-made religion. He, he innately desires to worship something. He will worship something, whether it will be a stone object or, or whether it will be himself. But he will worship something. And the reason people are involved in false religion 
is because they've rejected the true revealed religion. That, that's why. It's not because people uh, are, are involved in the truth. It's because they've run from the truth. That's why. This is where religion started. And this is why God so strongly prohibited idol worship in the Old Testament because he tells us in the Ten Commandments he is a jealous God, righteously, perfectly jealous. He'll not compete with any rivals. That's what idolatry is. All idolatry, he says, is an abomination to him. God hates it. But on top of all of this, bad enough as it is, the Bible reveals that behind every idol lurks a demon. Behind every idol lurks a demon who impersonates that idol, and this was the crux of the Corinthians' problem. Let's look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to see what, what Paul is really getting at and how this applies to us. It really does apply to us, and this is a, you're going to hear some strong language from this because this is vital that we understand. Uh, we understand this truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, notice Paul says in beginning of verse 4, he says, therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there's no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. Now, Paul is dealing with the situation in Corinth in which food had been sacrificed to an idol, but it was left over and now it was sold in the marketplace. And there were some Christians who said, you know what? I, I, I can't eat it. I just can't eat it. It was one sacrificed to an idol. I can't do it. And Paul is simply saying here, we know that there's really no such thing as an idol. We know that we know this. And I, I think this uh, came came home to Michelle and me years ago when we were in India. The last day we were in India, uh, we were taken to a Hindu temple. We didn't we didn't go inside the temple, but we were on the outer outskirts of it, on the grounds of it. And I have to say, I, I have never been as oppressed as I was there. It was the closest I, I have ever felt to hell in my life. Not only were there, and this is no exaggeration, hundreds of thousands of flies going around, but there were people worshiping their gods. There, uh, there was a, a holy man off to the side who uh, looked anything but holy, filthy. And, and uh, the missionary with us said, if you go in that tent over there, you'll go berserk. And it, 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 was, it was hideous. And then I saw as we were coming out food that had been offered to these pagan gods, uh, the, the god of, uh, well, Calcutta is named after the god of Kali, and that's what this temple was. And I realized for the first time, you know what, maybe if I was in Corinth, I couldn't eat food that had been sacrificed to idols. Even knowing what I know, that an idol is nothing, maybe I'm not the stronger brother in that situation. It was an eye-opener. So, so I, it's vivid in my mind looking at, at that food and thinking, I'm not sure knowing what I know about Hinduism and that uh, uh, baby sacrifices still take place and sexual perversions still go on. Hinduism is the closest, someone said, to what, we, uh, what you had in the Old Testament, the wicked religion of the Canaanites. So knowing what I know about it, I'm not sure I could eat food sacrificed to these idols. And that's what Paul is dealing with. He says, we know that there's no such thing really as an idol in the world, and there, there is no God but one. We, we understand that mentally. Then he says in verse 5, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, he said, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. What he's saying is, though many people believe that there's a plurality of gods, 
we know the truth. There's only one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. We know that. So what's the problem? Well, let's go to chapter 10. I mean, he develops it further in chapter 8 by by talking about the conscience, and you may not have a clear conscience to do this. But in chapter 10, having just said in chapter 8 that there's really no other God but God, and we know an idol is nothing, Paul takes us behind the scenes, and he says, well, there really is something to this. Verse 14, he says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, folks, you don't tell anybody to flee from idolatry unless they're involved in idolatry, so that's what was going on. He said, I speak as to wise men. You judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. What is he saying? He's saying he's talking about the Lord's Supper. When you come to the Lord's Supper, you partake in the in the uh, uh, remembrance of the body and the blood of Christ that He died for us. You affirm that you're you are one body in Christ, and that's what believers are supposed to do. But He doesn't just stop. He doesn't stop there. Verse eighteen. He says, look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? He said, am I, am I saying there's something to, uh, that, that really has reality concerning idols? No, an idol is nothing, he says in verse 20. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice what? To demons, not to God. And I don't want you to become sharers in demons. What he's saying is this, there's no such thing as an idol. There are no other gods but one God. But what Satan does is he comes behind every idol, every man-made religion, and he has demons who impersonate idols. There's a supernatural uh, thing that goes on in false religions. It's demonic. That's what he's saying. And watch this. This is so incredible. Verse 21, you cannot share or cannot drink rather the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We're not stronger than he, are we? What he's saying is this. Apparently, the Corinthians were worshiping Jesus Christ by observing the Lord's Supper, and then sometime during the week or maybe every day, they were joining their unbelieving friends at the heathen temple where idols, who were really demons, were being worshipped. They sat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. That's, that's what was going on. Now, this almost seems beyond imagination that they would do this. I mean, and we look at this and we go, how could they possibly do this? But remember, the Corinthians had grown up in this environment. This is all they knew, worshiping idols at their city's temple. It, it was their custom since childhood. As I said before, they probably couldn't remember a time where they didn't do this. That's why Paul tells them, flee idolatry. Run away from it. Get out of there. Escape. And this is exactly what we have to do when we become Christians. And this is where it applies to us. You see, like the Corinthians, you may have been raised in a certain religious affiliation, but now you're a Christian. And what that means is that you need to flee from that false religion. The false religion you were raised in, the false religion I was raised in, is just as demonic as what was going on at Corinth. And when you become a Christian, you make a break from that. Why? Because to join Unbelievers in this form of worship after knowing Christ is to actively participate in worshiping idols who are really demons. 
That's why this is so serious. And when a Christian does that, you know what? Not only is he dishonoring the Lord, but he's actually defiling the very temple of God. You say, how could you defile the temple of God? I thought you said it doesn't exist in Jerusalem. It doesn't exist in Jerusalem anymore, but it exists wherever you are. Because he says in the end of verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. What Paul is teaching here is incredible as this sounds. What he's teaching is that the dwelling place of God today is not a physical structure in Jerusalem. The temple of God in this era, in the church age, is the lives of believers in Jesus Christ. If you know Christ, the spirit of God dwells in you. Christ dwells in you. That's incredible. You may not feel like he dwells in you, but he does both collectively as a church body. Jesus Christ is here. Wherever the church is, that's where he is. It's not just off in heaven. He's here. Remember, he's omnipresent. But he's also in each of us individually. Paul had taught this to the Corinthians in his first letter in 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 6.19. He said, don't you know that your body is the temple of the spirit of God? Now, in chapter 3, he says your body, meaning the body of believers. In chapter 6, he means individually, your body. Wherever we are, that's where God dwells. And Paul reinforced this in 2 Corinthians by loosely quoting from Leviticus 26 and Ezekiel 37. And he said that God dwells in his people. He walks among them. Uh, He's their God and they're his people. Just reinforces what he said. Now, what's the point? Paul's point in all this is to say that it defies reasoning to think that we, as God's temple, would have any association with idol worship. That's what he's, that's what he's getting at. That's exactly what the Corinthians were doing in joining themselves in worshiping a false god. Listen, if you and I join ourselves to believers, uh, unbelievers rather, in any context of worship, teaching, evangelism, then we're doing the same thing. As the dwelling place of God, we would be defiling the sanctuary of God with idolatry, which is the worship of demons, really. Let me put it this way. To be involved in any worship or teaching or evangelistic endeavor where the God of Scripture is not honored is to worship an idol who is really a demon. Now, that's heavy stuff. That's that's strong language. But that's what this passage is, is teaching. Remember, I said it's easy to see how bad the Corinthians were. But when we apply it to ourselves, you realize why this is so serious. Idolatry is an abomination to God, but if you're involved in false religion, that's what you're actually doing. You're defiling the temple of God. The object of our worship is not the object of all other religions. We worship the God of Scripture. They worship a God they've created in their own minds. It's man-made religion. In fact, that's why Paul states in verse 16, for we are the temple of the living God. The emphasis there is living God. The object of our worship is the one and true living God as opposed to a dead idol. All false religion that doesn't preach the gospel of Christ is man-made, it's idolatry, and behind it is a demon. Now, those words need to grip our hearts. This is, this is the truth. This is why Paul went to great lengths to, to reinforce what he was teaching here, because it, it'll cost you to walk away from that. It'll cost you to say no to Greek Orthodoxy, to Roman Catholicism, to, to a, perhaps a cult you were raised in. It'll, it'll cost you to do that. And you need to understand that it's so serious that to continue in that is to involve yourself in idol worship. Let's bow for prayer.
you need to ask yourself this question. Is Jesus Christ the object of my worship? Him and him alone. Have I separated from unbelievers in a religious sense? Have I turned from all idols of religion or idols of self to Christ and Christ alone for my salvation? Is there an idol in your life? Something that that is so important that it's more important to you than God. And you need to repent of that. You need to come to, to Christ if you haven't. I think of the rich young ruler who Jesus would not let him think that he could just believe in him and keep his idol of money. The Bible says he, he loved all the things that he had and therefore he walked away from Jesus. Very sad. Jesus will not compete with any idol. You come to him, you come to him on his terms. You repent of the idols in your life and you trust Christ alone for your salvation with a commitment to follow him. If you've never done that, I invite you to come to Christ. There'll be one of our leaders up at the frontier as we close the service. You can speak to him about accepting Christ. But if you already know him, then you need to make sure that you've turned away from being bound with unbelievers in the worship of idols. It may hurt family members. They may not understand. They may denounce you. That's all part of being a disciple. And you know what? If you do this, God is going to bless you as you obey him. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to see what those blessings are. But God doesn't simply tell us to turn away and not support us. He will encourage you. He will bless you. Father, thank you for this, your word. Lord, strong words. Whenever you're dealing with with these kinds of truths, when you have to deal with idolatry and demonic issues and people being raised in uh, in religious affiliations, Lord, this comes very close to home. And there are many who struggle with this, but I pray that your truth would prevail. I pray that your word would really be the guiding light in our minds. We think of how Jesus made discipleship difficult and said that you can't come to me if you don't love me more than father, mother. And we understand that that's that's the cost. But Lord, you always give us grace. You always give us help. You always give us the encouragement. We think of even what David said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. Lord, thank you for your sustaining help. We pray for those who may not know you, Lord, that they would turn from their idols to trust Christ. We pray for those of us who do know you, Lord, may we continue to turn away from anything that would rival you so that we serve and wait for you to return as we, as we honor the one true living God. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If perhaps you'd like to trust the Lord Jesus as your King and Savior, but you have some questions, don't go away. I'll have a number for you to call in just a minute. And for those who do know Jesus already, may we keep careful to always keep him foremost in everything. The rewards are just amazing. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For information about Lakeside or to talk to someone about salvation, call the office at 727-441-1714. And that's also the number to call to ask for a free audio CD with the entire sermon Pastor Steve just concluded. Ask for message 641, Spiritual Separation, Part 3. If you call outside of office hours, by the way, just leave a name and a daytime phone number, and we'll call you back. 
And if you missed it, the phone number is 727-441-1714. Since I have a little extra time today, I'd like to let our visually impaired listeners know about a special offer. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and you'd like a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit blindbibles.com. That's 800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. I mentioned the availability of free audio CDs, but that's not the only way to listen again. All of our previous broadcasts, including this one, are available for free downloading, or you can stream them from our website, versebyverseradio.org. And there's a giving page if you'd like to help us continue producing and airing these Bible classes of the air. Your gifts are tax-deductible, and we want you to know that we appreciate them. The web address, once more, is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. All through Scripture, we find admonitions to make a clean break from our previous lifestyles when we come to Christ. We should, by our new nature, come to hate idolatry and the sins associated with it. Perhaps the reason God filled His Word with so many warnings is that it's so easy to sometimes slide back into those old habits. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will dive into some challenging and encouraging verses. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.